Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. I believe this one is episode 115 and um, recently I was at my brother's new flat down in South London and we were just catching up, having a chat and so on. I decided that I would talk to him a little bit about music. It's one of our favourite subjects. And so in this episode, you will listen to an interview between my brother James and me, all about music, our musical memories, and also um, music that we've listened to and bought, and also music that we've played and recorded ourselves. Um, Now, I've listened back to the conversation. It's definitely a very natural, authentic chat. We go off on various different tangents at some points. When you go off on a tangent, that means when the conversation goes in a different direction for a while before it comes back to the main topic of the conversation. So uh, watch out for that. You might hear us going off on various tangents. Um, But I have actually um, written down some phrases and sentences which we use in our conversation. And I have printed those on the website which, as you definitely know, because it's completely burned into your memory, um, the website is, of course, teacherluke.podomatic.com, possibly teacherluke.wordpress.com, which is my blog page where I eventually post everything, all of the text and so on from um, teacherluke.podomatic.com ends up being transferred to teacherluke.wordpress.com just to save space. Um, So if you go to teacherluke.wordpress.com and find episode 115, you should find a list of sentences and expressions or at least a link which will take you to that list. And there you can basically sort of have a look at the words and expressions that we've used and just try your best to understand them. That might help you, might give you a bit of support when you are then listening to the episode and using it to to learn English. The phrases and sentences are ones that I've chosen because, to be honest, it would take much, much too long for me to write a full transcript. Please feel free to add um, sort of parts of that as a transcript if you want. You can just send me an email with any parts that you've transcribed, luketeacher at hotmail.com. But I chose certain phrases and sentences because I thought they might contain uh, bits of vocabulary that you don't already know. So go to the webpage, find episode 115, have a look at the phrases and expressions that I've written there. Otherwise, you can just sit back, have a cup of tea and enjoy this episode of Luke's English Podcast, which is all about music and here it is hello and welcome to luke's english podcast in this episode i'm sitting in my brother's flat down in south london and uh we've um just decided that we would have a 
kind of chat about music, basically. So it's, what's going to happen in this episode is that, first of all, I'm going to interview my brother, James. Hello, James. Hello. All right. Fine, thanks. I'm going to interview James about music in general. Um, and then, once I've interviewed him, he's going to interview me about music. So what you're going to hear now is loads and loads of chat and conversation about music. And you will hear loads of vocabulary and different ways of describing music and talking about not only your musical taste, but also the act of playing performing and recording music as well. So listen up, because you're going to hear lots of really good vocabulary in this episode. So, hello James, thanks for letting me come round to your flat. That's all right, you're welcome. Nice to see you. Um, it's very nice. I think, I think it's really nice and cosy in here. Good, thanks. That's how, I, that's how I'd like, like it to be. Um, and I see you've got a new carpet on the floor. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's lovely, really. It's a very welcoming, very comf comfortable place to appreciate music. And I see you've set up your record decks um, over that was, there. That was the first thing I set up when I moved in, uh, before I even got the kitchen sorted out. I had the decks in place. So, OK, so you've got your record players. Although, and to be honest, I don't use them that much these days. But I don't use them as much as I used to because uh, you have to keep buying records. And obviously, we're not all rich these days so uh buying Credit. records comes a, a long third to like buying food and buying beer it's a, there's a credit crunch basically well thing is though yeah i spend my money on bloody internet charges and stuff now instead and i get my music that way most of the time okay um well uh anyway we've got all the facilities for playing music and stuff like that so um james <coughs> yes james hello. james thompson mm. Um, James Richard Thompson. This is your life. This is your musical life. Dun, 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 dun. So, um, let's That's see. That's a TV programme in Britain. This is your life. This is your life. It's not on anymore, but yeah, it used to be like a famous celebrity would think they were going out for dinner. Yeah. They'd have all the best gear on. And yeah. oh, Luke thinks something's buzzing. Sure, there's Just some sound problems. Turn off the amp at the bottom, very bottom. Down there. Got it? Yeah, I turned off the amp. That should deal with the buzzing sound. Go on. Luke, are you buzzing? Well, there was a buzzing sound coming out of the speaker. Sorry. Yeah. It's an old sort of muso joke, you know. You're buzzing. You're buzzing. No, I've uh, only had half a lager. Ah, uh, right, very good. <laughs> um, so, James. James Thompson. James Richard Thompson. Anyway, this is your life, I was talking this about. This is your life. They think they're going out for dinner and then they get surprised that it's actually a sort of reception for them and they get a TV programme about them. It's yeah. quite funny, quite 70s. So I suppose I'm, what I'm going to do here is interview you about your life and your life with music. That's going to make a very loud noise Bang, on, the, sorry about that. on the recording. That's, um, that's a can of, it's a can of beer. Uh, we're drinking beer again, ladies Cronenberg, and gentlemen. Cronenberg, 1664. You've probably heard from the last episode. Cronenberg from Cronenberg is listening, you know. We're open to sponsorship there. Cronenberg, yes, that's right. <laughs> we, we, we're drinking Cronenberg 1664, and um, so obviously other beers are available. Um, you know, there are plenty of other lagers available. There's loads. Um, I've checked. In the latest episode, the last one, you heard me with some of my friends uh, drinking and talking. Well, we're doing it again, but, you know, it's, it's all right. We've only had, like, a couple of ales, <laughs> so we're fine. Um, let's see. Um, I think I'm fine to be in charge of a audio podcast. I think we're both 
perfectly at the wheel in control in control of this episode completely we're on we're on top of things let's get to the subject matter okay so james james thompson james richard thompson um let's see where did it all begin for you (laughs) where did it all really begin what's your first musical memory are you serious um okay probably be Probably the Beatles, I'd say. Yeah, how? Uh, listening, hearing them sort of coming out of these weird things, which I didn't even know were speakers. Yeah. And being very young and small and lying on a carpet somewhere in West London and hearing cosmic sounds coming through these boxes. Every now and then, I think the parent, the mum and dad would turn it up quite loud. Not that often, but I think occasionally they did, and we'd be mm. like, whoa. So this is really, how how really old were it. you when you remember listening to the Beatles like that? Well, I know now that it was the Beatles. I mean, yeah. I think they also used to have that um, Jean-Michel Jarre yeah. record as well. I remember that. We used to listen to Oxygen. Oxygen, yeah. That's one of my earliest musical memories. Dun, 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 really dun, dun, being impressed with music was that. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can put a YouTube link to it. It's a great... Yeah. It's a great piece of music. It's, it's it's really strange though, isn't it? It's somehow it captures something of the dystopia of the future. Yeah, or or the the bizarre kind of um, the soul of the machine. Yeah, or the the discovery of childhood. Machines with soul. Um, the discovery of childhood. Well, yeah, the something discovery like of self. Anyway, uh, the journey into self. Let's stick to the music. Let's not. Let's not get. So you remember listening to Oxygen by by John Michel Jarre? I think that's the one specific one I remember. Okay, and and but that was fairly. When did that come out? Like Oxygen was in the seventies, I believe. But Mum and Dad had a. That would have made me how old? Probably would have been about three, two or three years old. Because you were born in 1975. 75. So it was the late 70s. Disco, the disco era. Mm. Um, so that and the Beatles were, uh, are examples of music you remember hearing from mum and dad playing them. But yes. did, you, um, <clears throat> did you listen to the radio? Yep. Uh, as, I was, as I got a bit older, yeah. I mean, when you first listen to the radio, you're kind of playing with it as a toy. Yeah. You know, and you're spinning through the dial, listening to different things that are coming out. Uh, you know, old analog radio where you're manually dialing it. You could yeah. and you find all sorts of weird stuff. And, you know, you yeah. find foreign radio, you'd find pirate radio, you'd find Radio One, like the big fat loud signal of Radio One and then BBC. you'd move up and down the dial, move into long wave and then you'd find some bloody shipping broadcasts or yeah. and you'd find Radio Four. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah. And um, yeah, I listened to the radio. Used to listen, but the first I was waiting for you to ask me the question. Yeah, the, the well, wait, wait, wait. What was the first piece of music that you purchased yourself? Oh, that I purchased. My, that's a bit different because I used to get them from the library. Okay, all right. But yeah, the first thing what's, I actually, what's the first piece of music that you went out and actually got yourself, either was, by buying it or borrowing it. It was madness. Madness. Yeah. Okay. Now, for the listeners, I love madness. The listeners, just to give you a little insight into who Madness were, many of you might know who they were, but basically they were a very, very popular band in the eighties in London and in the rest of the country. In fact, the whole country they were really popular, and they started as a kind of um, sort of reggae ska uh, band yeah, from a London. Yeah, ska band, a white sort of uh, two imitation ska band playing very fast. 
second generation reggae music kind uh, sort of, thing. of not reggae like Scar kind yeah. of skinhead Scar yeah. but like friendly skinhead Scar yeah and they had these great songs that had this real character and sense of humour about them and they're full of energy and and just originality and really really good songs really really well written and they really cover, well performed they cover sort of 60s Scar tunes but do them in a well the, the, the print no no that was about Prince Buster but they did One Step Beyond and yeah yeah. What else did they do? I'm sure they did some covers. Oh. Um, that's um, the specials, though, isn't it? Madness, they the did. Specials. They did the Prince Buster. Oh, Prince madness, Buster madness. Man. They call it madness. That one. That was um, about it, though. But it was definitely very inspired I by think, the '60s scar sound. I, I think the specials did more cover versions than Madness. Yeah, they In definitely fact, did. I prefer Madness to the specials. A lot of people different, say the specials are the best. Different beast, really, aren't they? For me, um, for me, it's it's Madness. Um, just because it's, they have a slight more, they have a kind of connection to music hall comedy or something that I that I like. Um, whereas the specials take themselves a little bit too seriously, and they do too many cover versions, as far as I'm no, concerned. I don't know. I don't think you can. You don't think you have to choose. I like no. both. No. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, Madness also never made anything that sounded quite like um, Ghost Town. Yeah, I mean, as good as Madness were, they never made anything that really like sent a chill down your spine. The thing about Madness were they were they were a little bit of a novelty act as well. well. They could be, but I think they were solid. I mean, they had albums and albums of really good material. Yeah, and really good songs that wouldn't even make it to singles. You know, really good yeah. album tracks, very well written and as well. They were brilliant for for kids. You know, you see them bouncing around on top of the pops, and, they yeah. were, and their videos were brilliant. Really, really exciting videos and really funny and. You know, you just wanted to sort of be like them, really. Yeah. Made music look like the best thing in the world, you know, the most fun you can imagine. Oh, yeah, this is buzzing away a bit. Sorry, I've got my Akai. Can I just play a bit then before I turn it off? Okay, um, what Jim has got on the desk here, right next to the microphone, is um, an Akai MPC 2000 MIDI Production Centre, which is, if any of you know your stuff, and you know, like, about the way in which... Uh, music like hip hop is is made and some drum and bass and some, some drum and bass techno. music then this is um, a piece of hardware which is one of the original sequencers and drum machines for oh, original but one of the original just just one of the best like a lot of uh, a lot of hip hop uh, american hip hop music from the 90s was made using an akai mpc 2000 it's basically a sequencer and a sampler you can kind of sample bits from other records and then assign them to different pads and then you sequence all of those sounds by pressing the pads and then moving them around and stuff and eventually you can make a, a track like a whole uh, piece of music where you've you've taken each sound from other records or other places and it's really cool you can come up with some really good bits of like instrumental hip-hop it's very compact 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 or compact uh, it's very compact it's very compact uh, it's you know fits in the size of a small briefcase, well, a large briefcase, but yeah. it's portable and it's all self-contained. You just need a a disc to uh, save it onto. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a just a bit of a laugh, really. But anyway, we've got to turn it off because it's making a slight buzzing. It's noise. buzzing. Let's so, turn it off. We should we play a bit? Yeah, yeah. Jim's gonna. Jim's been working on a, a piece of music on this uh, MPC for a while. And he's oh, gonna hear it. he's gonna play it, but I need to turn on the amp, don't I? No, just put it on. Okay, right. So you're gonna. I turned off the amp. I turned off the amp, but I can turn it back on again. It was just making some loud buzzing. 
Right, so I've turned it on. Right, have you, can you test it? Because I think I might have turned the volume up. to give it a genre, what kind of genre would it be? Um, electronic music. Electronic music, okay. I don't even know if that's right. I don't even know if it is electronic music. Well, anyway, that's it. That's one of his tracks called Ambipure. Are you going to play something else? No, that's it. Okay. That's all we're going to get for the time being. Um, so, okay. Let's, um, let's continue with the interview, shall we, Brother James? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm not a priest. Um... Do speak nice and clearly into the uh, microphone there for the... Uh, yes, the, yes, officer. <laughs> just sounded <laughs> very police. It sounded there. like an arrest, didn't it? Uh, please just, make sure you just, speak um, nice. Just, uh, I, I, I do have to inform you that... Uh, you're under the arrest of, you for possession of an illegal podcast. You are under arrest for possession of an illegal podcast. Please just speak into the microphone here, thank you. Uh, just to let you know, you do have the right to remain silent, but uh, anything you do say will be taken down no, in evidence say that anymore. They used say... in court uh, against you. No, they don't say that anymore. What do they, they, what do they... be taken down and used in evidence against you. They, they, they they've don't. rephrased it. it says anything, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you do say may be used in a court of law or something like yeah, that. They don't yeah. say use an evidence against you because it sounds too negative, yeah. apparently. Anything you do say, uh, for some reason I feel like... Well, it's more that. honest. The old way is more honest. What they, it's true. Anything you say may be used against you. Yes. Which is what you've got to bear in mind. Yeah. Just to inform Just you... Don't you're... ever say anything. Just... <laughs> till you reach... Till you get a, a lawyer. Have you got experience of uh, nope. this? Nope. No. I actually haven't, no. But no. I just know enough to know that that's the rule one. We, we got um, listeners to this podcast who've listened to every episode will know that uh, um, we actually got um, stopped by the police um, when we were kids for skateboarding in Birmingham. Remember that? Yeah, crime of the century. Crime of the century. We're getting distracted. We are getting distracted. Let's get back to the to the uh, the next level. So the first record that you, the next level. I don't know what I'm talking about. The next stage. The next uh, part of the uh, interview. Let's take it to the next level. Let's take it to the third degree or whatever. Sounds like something out of an American movie. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take it to the to the next level now. Uh, I'm gonna ask you just a few choice questions uh, regarding uh, your musical tastes. Okay, go on then. Um, okay, so. Um, what was the what was the next sort of uh, what was the first music that really hit you as music, not not as a kind of um, fun thing to like get into? When did you really sort of realise you had a taste, a, a sense of what was good music? Mm. After madness, that's quite a long time. Um, I suppose the next obvious one would be. The Happy Mondays, I think. The Happy Mondays, okay. Yeah. So the Happy Mondays were a group from Manchester. Yep. 
in the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. uh, known as the Manchester scene, mad, or, mad or the scene. Mad Chester scene, which yeah. was characterised by a kind of psychedelic um, sensibility yeah. and a sort Slightly of... Slightly 60s kind of throwback kind of vibe. 60s but. influenced in a sort of Californian... Um, uh, summer of Love kind of way. Yeah, but almost a slightly kind of a, a parody, jokey, yeah, jokey way. Um, but the actually the the Mondays were more into Donovan, who was English, okay, an English uh, sort of hit, very hippie songwriter. Um, yeah, they wrote a song about Donovan, and they covered actually didn't they covered a Johnny Congo song, yeah, which is a sixties kind of slightly groovy. Tune, and yeah. uh, but they weren't a, they weren't a retro band at all. They were very very modern, and they were basically a cross between sort of funk, punk, and a sort of weird acid house sort of acid house soul kind of feel. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they were brilliant. They were just like really good fun, uh, obviously having a great time, making really really bouncy party music that just felt really good and uh, quite new as well. You know, quite distinctive sound. And he couldn't really sing, but it was just such such powerful um, yeah. emotion and uh, it's just good vibes. Really good lyrics. Um, yeah, really cool, cool lyrics. The lead singer of um, Happy Mondays was called Sean Ryder, and although he couldn't sing very well... Um, he kind of could, though. It's a bit like Johnny Rotten. People say he couldn't sing. Well, for me, it's a bit like Bob Dylan, you know, because Dylan didn't really have oh, a great... I hate Dylan. I hate Dylan's vocals. <laughs> Sean's more like... Yeah, yeah. Fucking... But, um, yeah, you might not like Dylan, but um, the fact is that Dylan was, was known for... So speaking, singing like this, when he's singing... That's put on, whereas I think Sean's lyrics were a lot more honest yeah. and really from the heart. And he didn't really have a traditional singing voice, but he really meant everything he said. He sounded like he meant everything he said. Yeah. Okay, so um, Sean Ryder, the lead singer of the Happy Mondays, didn't really sing in tune, but he, he, he really did sort of mean what he said, and his lyrics were really good. So Yeah, some of the best lyrics going, basically. Yeah. He kind of took... Anyway, I'm talking about Johnny Rotten again, but it does remind me something of his wordplay. Of, and the way uh, he uses double meanings for words quite a lot. And then Sean does that, but sort of takes it a bit further and does more of them. And yeah. he sometimes uses this, a similar word in a different chorus and things like that. Yeah. Like, it sounds the same, but with a different meaning. So some, some things are rhyming, some things are like little jokes, word jokes and things like that. It's good. I, you know, that's one of the things I like about British music, to be honest, is the fact that there is some level of... There's something clever going on in the lyrics often. You know, things like you th it makes you think of John Lennon and the, his lyrics and, uh, you know, Sean Ryder. I don't, I don't know if that's a purely British thing, but um, no. I don't know enough of foreign language to be able to judge that fairly, so I wouldn't, wouldn't know. There's certainly enough American guys. They tend to do a bit more straight, though, don't they? Yeah. American singers, they tend to say what they mean, but we do anything with that, you know? <laughs> I think that perhaps... Um, the, the 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 British during the 60s and 70s had a slightly I, I had a slightly kind of uh, ironic sense about them a bit and in America um, it was only a few people who who had that kind of ir irony like people like I think Bob Dylan did have it I'm afraid so he did and uh, and someone like Neil Young who at the same time as doing all that music they were kind of making fun of the record industry and sort of not really going along with it 
Anyway, we're getting we're, uh, distracted. We're getting well, well distracted. We're getting distracted. Okay, so... Um, happy Monday. Happy Monday. So that was the early 90s. Okay, now when did you start playing music? Like, did you learn, did you learn piano or guitar when you were a child? We had a piano in the house, donated from, well... Uh, what's the word? Inherited. Inherited. Sorry. Uh, inherited from our grandmother when she died. Um, but I couldn't play it. Luke could play it. He's brilliant. Well, he's, he could have been really brilliant, but he's just good. Um, looks good at every musical instrument, annoyingly. But no, I didn't really pick up anything. I tried the piano, it didn't really appeal to me. Music lessons at school were horrible. Um, really almost got put off music by school, because they were really unimaginative. You know, you'd be given a bloody plastic recorder or a tambourine or something, that's the closest you'd get to a musical instrument. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so no, I tried. I tried learning the bass, not really much cop. I tried learning drums, and I kind of got somewhere with that because that's the sort of last vestige of the guy that can't play music. They become drummers. Yeah. In fact, there are lots of um, jokes about drummers. People say that the drummer <coughs> is the least musical member of the band. It's not true because there have been the bass player is the least musical. I find, but well, uh, again, not true because sometimes the best groups have got great bass yeah, players. The Beatles, really all of the Motown records, <coughs> um, Sly and the Family Stone. Okay, tell some drummer jokes, then. Okay, drummer jokes. Um, what do you call a guy who hangs around with a group of musicians? I don't know. A drummer. How do you know when there's a drummer at your door? What? How do you know when there's a drummer at your door? How do you know when there's a drummer at your door? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the knocking speed's up. Right, very good. Uh, how do you know when there's a drummer standing in your doorway? How do you know when there's a drummer? Why are you Because like it's difficult to, it's difficult to uh, uh, hear what you're saying. Okay. It, that's all. I'm, I'm repeating it so that uh, my listeners can catch exactly okay. what's being said. <laughs> I know it's deeply, deeply annoying. But, uh, Sorry, I just didn't but it, you know, it's all right. It, has, it just has to be so done. So, how do you know when a drummer's standing in your door? Uh, I don't know. He doesn't know when to come in. Very good. Right. Do so, think anyone will get that? It doesn't uh, know when to come in means you don't know where in the song to come in. You don't yeah. know where to start in your part of the song. I feel like we would have to devote an entire episode just to some choice jokes which we would tell and then have to explain. And I know that destroys the joke, but I feel like to do an episode with jokes, we'd need to like really go into them in detail. It's something I intend to do in the future. I've got a, haven't we done the drummer jokes before? No, we haven't. We planned okay. to do it, but we never did it. I've got one last one. It's not about drummers, but uh, guy, it's a music, musician joke. Guy walks into a guitar shop. No. Can, can we do we're we're starting to start again. I think I want to scrap that one. You don't want to do that joke? I just kind of ruined it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> guy walks into a guitar shop. No, you just screwed up that joke, didn't you? Okay. All right. Well, let's just move on. Let's move on. So, so okay. So you didn't learn piano. You didn't. You couldn't really play the bass with the guitar, and you you ended up learning drums. And we were lucky because uh, for Christmas one year, uh, our parents bought us a used second-hand uh, drum kit, and it was basic. It was just a, a bass drum, snare drum, hi hat. Uh, tom tom floor tom and a couple of cymbals but it was all you needed really to start playing the drums dad had been a drummer in his uh, youth um, and he played in some great sounding rock and roll groups and they used to do covers of like the who and things like that it sounded brilliant he uh, also wrote his own very sappy 60s music yeah he's absolutely brilliant if you ever get a chance well when you're never going to get a chance to hear it because he'd kill me if i put anything online but yeah it's 
great. Yeah, he did this sort of very cheesy uh, <laughs> music with an acoustic guitar. But to be fair, to be fair, it's really good. And it's multi-tracked and all sorts of things. It's brilliant. And the sounds. I sampled one of his tracks. Yeah. And I sampled two of his tracks, actually, and they both had really, really good guitar riffs and melodies and stuff. Yeah. It was brilliant, yeah. really impressive. Okay, so you learn, play, you learn to play the drums, and I think at some point, maybe when you kind of became a full fully-fledged teenager, you discovered punk music, right? As every good teenager should, yes. Yeah. Now, you've fully discovered punk music. You subscribed to it wholeheartedly. Well, I didn't, I didn't you know, die of a heroin overdose or anything, so I didn't compl completely subscribe to it. Okay. But I seem to remember you uh, with, like, sort of ripped jeans, leather jackets, sort of punk-type gear. Not too full-on, but with the army boots and stuff like that. I did eventually get to that level before I realised that was ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, I but admit it. You did... I was young. We're all, we're all young once. Yes. Um, and I remember once um, you getting me to dye your hair, bleach your hair, because we you wanted to look like Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. Oh, no, I didn't. I just wanted to look like a sort of American skeeter or something. Or you wanted to look like an American skater or, or maybe something. Keith, Keith Meek from okay. the Speed Freaks video right. or something like that. So um, he wanted to bleach his hair and so I bleached his hair in the bathroom and we left. We didn't leave the bleach in long enough <laughs> and so when he washed it all out I swear he was ginger. It was like a carrot top. It was like a well, it, was, battery. It, it was it was like a Duracell battery. It was like one of the Weasley brothers from the Harry Potter movie. It was really red hair, and it, he looked hilarious. He looked really ridiculous. And you know, to be fair to him, he left it like that. I didn't. No, you did. I didn't because you... Mum went and got some brown hair dye. Oh yeah, yeah. Mum got brown hair dye, and he dyed it and back. It exactly the same. It was, you wouldn't know, honestly. The next day I dyed it back and it looks exactly the same. Okay. But in the months that followed, the dye eventually washed out. So I ended up with these kind of weird coloured... It had highlights, highlights, basically. Yeah. But it kind of looked cool, actually, for a while. It was good. Um, okay, so you started playing and you, you ended up in a band, didn't you, in college? A kind of punk band or two, right? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Okay, and I, I, I believe the first, the first band. What was the name of the first band? I don't think I really want to say. Really, you don't want to say it? The I just joined this band to, to, in order to learn drums, and it works. They were called the Genital Fungi. Right, Genital Fungi. Now that's were, actually very rude, ladies and gentlemen. Very were, rude. They were sort of a joke punk band, and they had just had two guitarists and no drummer, no bass player. So I thought I'd help them out, basically. And so I stepped in and played drums for them and basically learned to play drums. It's the best way to learn mm. any kind of instrument is to join a band because you're forced to learn very quickly because you've got to go up on stage and do it. Uh, so I learned very, very quickly with those guys. And, yeah, they were. it was a joke band. It was quite a good laugh. People used to laugh and throw beer at us and stuff. And it was really stupid and immature, but... It was good, you know, good way to start. Yeah. Okay. And from that band, you moved on to join like a couple of other bands. One of them was called uh, Grandpa Knuckles. Yeah, that was that was another kind of comedy punk band, but that one was a bit more serious. They had two guitarists, a bass player, a mental singer called Eggy, who was just a lunatic, and 
It was he had a, he had a Eggy, the lead singer, had a huge Mohican, like a massive Mohican haircut. He looked really cool. <laughs> he looked brilliant. So it was like a great uh, punk band. And they were, the songs were actually quite heavy, and we used to do a really heavy death metal cover as well because one of the guys was really into his death metal or whatever kind of metal it's called, and. Yeah, we'd end on this really, really heavy number that we all learned really well, and it was really kicked in. I think it's called The End Complete. Um, I can't remember who it's by. Can you... No, I don't remember. You could probably... If you put in The End Complete into YouTube, we'll find it. Yeah, well, we'll have a look for it. <laughs> OK, so you played in this awesome punk band called Grandpa Knuckles, who were hilarious. And also you set up another band called... Uh, uh, Amanda X. Yeah, that was my sort of uh, indie, sort of Sonic Youth type band. And I called Amanda X because that was a kind of middle class, uh, Solihull revolutionary white girl called Amanda X, which is a, a fictional character that we made up that represented our sixth form college. Yeah. And um, we were a three piece, we were very fucking cool. No one really liked us, but I quite enjoyed it. and. It was cool. We had a girl bass player and singer, and we had a bloke on guitar and singer, and me on drums. And three pieces are really like a perfect way to run a band because less people involved, less people to get organised, more creative input. Uh, it's just if you ever make any money, it's you get more money. Mm -hmm. It's just perfect. Anyone who ever wants to be in a band, just join a three piece. Everyone sings, everyone writes the songs, and everyone plays. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that's very good. It's the best formula for right for being in a. If you want to be in a new band, start three piece. Yeah, in a, in a new band, like a lot of a lot of the bands like Green Day, for example, they're a three piece, aren't okay. they? Yeah, I think so. Right. Um, anyway, okay, so it's just a good practical way to run a band. Yeah, it just makes sense. So you're in a kind of um, a punk band and a kind of indie grunge kind of band. Yeah, I suppose you could. And and um, did you ever write any songs? Yeah, I wrote a few songs. They weren't very good, though. I wrote one called Vending Machine. Which was about an ex-girlfriend, I believe. A cutting riposte at being shunned by a girl. I compared it to the college vending machine. Vending machine is obviously something that you put coins into and then it gives you a little treat, a snack of some kind, maybe a chocolate bar or a drink. Um, so that's a vending machine. And my brother wrote a song about a vending machine comparing... Uh, that to a girl that he had uh, spent some time with, in a, man, in a matter of speaking, and who didn't want to spend any time with him any longer, and so he uh, expressed his feeling through s the medium of song. In I think a that's making a bit more out of it than it was actually. I, she was, I never even went out with her or anything. It's just, uh, I think we, I just she pissed me off for some reason. I think okay. that's what it was. Okay. All right. So, um, what then happened? Because. I think then you got into electronic music, didn't you? Because it was after being into like all the rock and the grunge and all that punk stuff I... that you got into... Uh, well, there's two other kinds of music for me. Electronic music and hip-hop. Which and one? Rave. And rave music. Well, that's electronic music. jungle. Yeah, well, OK, drum and bass, <laughs> maybe. But basically, dan electronic dance music and hip-hop. Uh, which one did you get into first after all the guitar-based stuff? Uh, I probably always liked electronic music, the bits that I'd heard, ever since Oxygen. See, it goes all the way back, man. Jean-Michel Jean. Um, and I used to hear it on the radio, and I used to be to Acid House. My mate came back from Ibiza in about 1988 with this tape, Acid House tape, and uh, 
that was good. We used to listen to that kind of stuff. And then John Peel, who's all-time sort of musical legend. A DJ, BBC DJ. From, who started in the 60s and carried on all the way through till 2000 or something. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he used to play a lot of um, dance music and... Just the more, the more I heard, the more I got into it, the more you learn, because there was no internet back then. You didn't just type into Google and find out about it. You had to start buying magazines, talking to people, go to record shops. It wasn't just all laid out for you on YouTube. Mm. Mm. You had to discover this stuff for yourself, you know? Yeah. And so I started getting into it, yeah. And I was into ambient music, sort of atmospheric, Aphex Twin type music. And I did get into a bit of jungle, because um, I went to a... I was sort of away for a weekend with a couple of mates and two of us were into our kind of guitar-based music and the other two guys were real ravers, real hardcore ravers at the time. And they were always going to these massive raves in God knows where, middle of nowhere. And they'd have these rave tapes on in their car all the time. And we'd listen to them and get really into them. That was around the, like the, when the Prodigy was first coming out, Outer Space, and the Orb was massive. and So it was just everywhere around. There wasn't really much of a question of not being into it because mm. it was it was really mm. good okay i think um sort of after a while you sort of went to university and then you got into djing right you got sort of your first record decks and you started to i didn't actually get any decks for years i didn't get any decks for years after that i used to borrow other people's or use other people's decks yeah so i never had any actually. but eventually you got your own decks and uh you kind of learn how to DJ, and I believe you can scratch and all that kind of scratch, 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 all that stuff. I can, I can beat match. That's the main thing. I'm quite good at beat matching. I can, I can lay you out a good old jungle set if you want. Okay. Without any mistakes in it. What do you mean by beat matching? Well, you've got one track running, and then you drop in another track running at the same speed, match them up, mix them together. So this is basically you've got like two turntables. You play a, a, a song on one of the turntables, and on the other turntable you play the same song on another record. And uh, no, no, not the same. No, not the same song. You get another song on the other record, and you play them together at the same speed, and then you can mix between. I think them. they know what mixing records is. Beat, beat matching. They might not know what beat matching means, but it's basically well, mixing back records. In the day, we used to have, have to do it by hand, by fucking ear. Sorry, by ear. <laughs> Rather than nowadays, honestly, nowadays you. Can get decks these serato and stuff you've got a tune playing you make another tune in you tap the button a few times and it finds the beat for you locks in and all you have to do is just mix the crossfader over really and it does it all for you now right but in the old days you had to do it yourself by ear okay um and now of course uh, finally at the end we you're making your own electronic music on this uh, mpc 2000, this Akai piece of kit. Yeah, I've been, I've been making music for years. I used to make it on Fruity Loops. On a program on the PC. It's a cheap, well, free, in fact, PC program. So I learned all, all on that and samples, chopping up samples and rearranging them and stuff. Yeah. And then I bought this thing because it was quite cheap. It was like 250 quid, I think. And it's just more fun. It's more like playing an instrument because you've got these big rubber pads that you bash away and you can play it like a drum machine. Yeah. Like loose, you know, you just play it like a little drum mm. pad. Mm. And then when you've got a feel for a track, then you can record it. And you're not staring at a computer screen moving a mouse around. It's just a tiny little track wheel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everything else is more hands-on. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, could you interview me now? Um, okay. What was your first musical memory, Luke? He's thinking about it. I'd have to say that it's, um, it's 
it's I think it's the same as um, uh, the same as yours basically I remember crawling around on the floor as a child in mum and dad's living room in the house that we grew up in I remember crawling around on the floor it was a brown carpet and from the speakers above listening to the Beatles I remember now when I listen to Beatles records like Rubber Soul that whole album, when I listen to that, yeah, it, just, would be, would be it just reminds me completely of being in the living room as a four-year-old listening to the Beatles from the speakers above. Uh, and Mum and Dad had really good speakers, and so I remember clearly the sounds of Rubber Soul and the Beatles' voices uh, as a child. So that's my first musical memory. Nice one. Um, so what was the first musical thing you sought out, bought or borrowed or purchased or whatever? Um, the first music that I actually sought out, um, let's see, I remember going to the library. Or, yeah, sorry, I was going to say, or had an impact in some way, but... Well, okay, well, the first thing I, I got was from the library, I got these tapes of the, the Goons, the Goon Show. That's not really music, though. But they had music, they, the had, so, they had the Ying Tong song. Oh, yeah, and then also um, I borrowed mum or dad's, like, very old record player, when I was about seven years old and I had it, had it set up in my bedroom, like a really old-fashioned record player, and I used to listen to all their old records, so I'd have, like, Strawberry Fields Forever, I remember listening to that, they had it on a seven-inch, and also um, Genesis, for some reason, I was really into uh, Invisible, in, in, Touch. Invisible Touch by Genesis, and I, used to, I used to listen to that all the time. Um, I but, do remember Strawberry Fields as well, listening to that a lot, Yeah, and thinking, yeah. God, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah, it just yeah. sounds like it's backwards or... Yeah, it was very strange. But then the first music really to make an impact on me wasn't until... Well, actually, the first thing really was... Um, I used to listen to a track called... I, I bought a record. Uh, the first record I bought was Pump Up the Volume by Mars, <laughs> which is an Acid House <laughs> classic. <laughs> and it Pretty was, cool. It, it's, I'm quite proud of that. And then the next record I bought was um, New Order and the England football team, <laughs> World, in Motion. World in Motion, which included John Barnes doing a rap. That's a brilliant tune again. That's, uh, actually, if you listen to that now, it is an absolute classic. Yes, it's a really and great... It it's, it's uses football as an analogy for life. So it goes, you know, you've got to hit them and hurt them, defend and attack. There's only one way to go, go around, whatever. Yeah. And it's, uh, the whole song is all about life. You've got to dodge through and make it through, and yeah. it's really yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I remember having my little keyboard and I would listen to that on the tape player and I, used, I learned all the keyboard parts from that New Order song uh, and I used to play along with it. And so you could play piano? Yeah, I learned I taught myself how to play all the keyboard parts and then I decided, right, I want to learn how to play the piano. And I, was about, I think you'd already taught yourself by I, that point. I was 11 and I said, right, I want to play the piano. And also the other deciding factor in that was our next door neighbour, a guy called Dan. And he used oh, to play. He used to play brilliant honky tonk piano, like blues, really fast blues stuff, like Jerry Lee Lewis kind of stuff. Yeah, that was. And wicked. it was brilliant. He was really good, and that totally fixed it for me. I really wanted to play, and I learnt. Um, I, I went to piano lessons with uh, a teacher, and I learnt classical piano. Uh, Down At the first, I didn't know what really I was doing, you know, but I just followed all these instructions. And I learnt all these techniques and things. And then the first couple of years, I got distinctions in both of the uh, first three exams I did. And then, uh, and then the other two exams, I got merits. And, um, but it trailed off because I got to about 15, 16 years old. 
And by that time, I was, I was listening to Jimi Hendrix, um, the Buzzcocks, the Sex Pistols, <laughs> the Police, uh, the Jam, um, and uh, Madness, and, and the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, I was, and some jazz music, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, and all that kind of thing. And I just thought, this classical music is just not for me. And in, in the end, I stopped doing it. Uh, stopped doing the, the lessons, but I, I quickly moved over to playing the bass and the drums because, uh, as you said, we had that drum kit. Yeah, and I used, it's amazing. I used to play that drum kit for an hour every day, um, and eventually I, I sort of became a drummer, really. And we had the, like this double garage thing that was apart from the house, and it would become a, a sort of office slash... It was a garden house. Well, yeah, but it was a garage, really, wasn't it? It was. It used to be a garage, but mum and dad uh, had it sort of... Well, it was already been turned into this garden house. It was a room, and we had carpet on the floor and stuff like that, and armchairs in there, and, and a drum kit, and amplifiers. We were lucky bastards. We were really lucky, and so we used to be able to practice our bands in there. Uh, what's your next question? Do you have one? Yeah, ne next question. So you, you learned the piano, and you kind of got a bit bored of that. What was the first band you joined? Okay, well, after I'd sort of... Um, it was the, I was playing the bass, really, first. Okay, so I, what I, made you pick up a bass? Um, what was it about the bass? There was just one there, probably. It, it was because someone, a kid at school, this is when I was 15, brought a bass into school and uh, said, um, I'm going to sell, I want to sell this. And my mate uh, at the time uh, bought it. Who was that? That was Rick. Uh, he and let's, let's just... yeah. Anyway, he bought it and he decided he couldn't play it, but I could. I could. I could play it quite well, actually. And um, <laughs> so he was like really pissed off. He's like, "Oh no, you know, you you should buy it because you can play it." And he got really annoyed and really pissed off. And so I bought it. It is quite annoying watching you play musical instruments, though. Mm, I really? can understand that. Yeah. Well, in the end, I I bought the bass, and you now have that bass. It's here. That black one. That black bass is the bass I'm talking about. Beast. So I bought that when I was 15. It's massive. It's massive. But it's and not heavy. massive. It's just really heavy, and it's, yeah. it's never sounded very good. But no, it's, it's something. Had, no, kind it's of... got a good tone. Do you remember at band practice that one time when I borrowed it? And I was playing it, it, was, it had a great tone, playing songs like uh, Teenage Kicks and things. Was that recently? Is that with the yeah. new strings? That was with that bass. Yeah. I don't know if it was new strings. Well, yeah, my mate restrung it. And so you reckon it's actually pretty good? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, so the, f the first band I was in was at school in the music room because I was a music prefect at school. That means I had a kind of special responsibility over you the... Yeah, I had... I was a music prefect. Yeah, I know. But I was responsible <laughs> for the music room, right? Which meant that I could uh, um, play in there. I, I invited some, some of these cool guys from the school who could play guitar. And they came in and one of them could play the drums. And so it was this guy on guitar and his mate on drums. And they were like properly dodgy kids from school uh, who ended up getting arrested later on. For doing some dodgy robbery or something. So, but, <laughs> but one of them played guitar like Hendrix, and he was a big Hendrix fan. Really? Yeah, he like was like Hendrix. This... That's a bold. No, no, all right, all right, all right. He was like this sort of bully kind of kid at school. What was his name? I can't remember his name. It was too long ago. Mm. But uh, he was a kind of bully kid. I remember kind of being vaguely scared of him. And then one day in French class, he was sitting next to me, and he was humming. Like this, mm. and I was like, "That's Jimi Hendrix." Mm. And I went to him, "Ah, oh, Jimi Hendrix," and he was like, 
He looked, he did a double take. He sort of looked at me and then looked again. And he was like, how do you know Jimi Hendrix? Because I was a kind of boring, geeky kid who wasn't cool at all. Kind of really crap kind of 14-year-old. I was terrible. But I was there, I lived on my Walkman all day. When I was not in class, I would have the Walkman on. And I was listening to Jimi Hendrix and Cream and uh, this kind of stuff. And so no one realised that I was into good music. And when I yeah. said to this guy, oh, that's Jimi Hendrix, he's like, wow, you know who Jimi Hendrix is? And uh, I told him that I played bass guitar and all this kind of thing. And so we, we kind of started up this band, and um, it was him on guitar, his mate on drums, me on bass, and my other mate on bass as well. So there was two bassists. <laughs> Very and, spinal tap. And we used to play Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix, and I played the bass line right, and my mate on the other bass played it wrong. So it was a complete disaster, because he had two bass players playing different things. And that bass line is the one that goes... Ding, 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 so Skellington were brilliant. It was the same guitarist who was in your band, Amanda X, was in Skellington. Yeah, and uh, and he used to play wah wah guitar. Good, good guitarist. Yeah, and we had an extra funky bass player. He was the most talented one in the group. He could play really funky bass lines and a great sort of keyboard player playing Hammond organ. Is that the band you used to do that song called Kojak? We used to do a song called Kojak. Yeah, it was like a seventies. And it was all about Kojak. Yeah. And your singer was a really kind of like stony kind of hippie guy with long Jim hair. Jim Morrison kind of. Yeah, well, he reckoned. Yeah. And um, they were brilliant. Skellington were gen- genuinely a good band. Yeah. Very sketchy, though. We were really it was sketchy. All, it sounded like a bunch of children playing funk music. Yeah. I imagine James Brown kind of funk music played by sort of children. <laughs> on Casio instruments. Yeah, it was like that, but it had its own charm and its yeah, own style it to it. And then since and also, then, there's no good recordings. It's impossible to record something like that well without any money. Yeah. So there's no recordings of it really. Yeah, that's um, right. I've got some bad tapes. But yeah, so. you can't really capture it when it was there live. It actually, sounded pretty good because yeah. there's a lot of elements to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So and then since then, I've been in like so many other bands. I've like I was in a band in Liverpool. We played in the Cavern Club, where the Beatles played. Cool. I played That's a pretty cool. I played, played play. drums on stage in the Cavern Club. I played at the One Hundred Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a punk, but actually, I only DJed there. I didn't actually right. play my music yeah. instrument. Um, and I, I played in, in bands in Liverpool, and I we got to the final of the national battle of the bands competition and all this kind of stuff. But the band, you know, we tried to get famous. We couldn't get famous. Which band was that? That was Orson. Not Awesome, no. O-R-S. As in Orson Welles. Orson, like Orson Welles. But it was named after a different Orson, obviously, just to be awkward. I don't know. It was was, uh, like um, Orson from Mork and Mindy, I think. Something like that. Anyway, uh, and they, they were kind of bad though to be honest and it the, i don't remember them the, at the, all the I band remember. we broke up it's one they, of those indie bands that tries to get really serious and they forget that you know they need to just write songs and have yeah time. yeah and then uh, i joined i joined loads of bands all over the place i was in bands in japan i had like uh, i was on a song that was released in the shops in in japan what were uh, they called that was a uh, lure lure yeah, yeah. um and uh 
other other things as well in Birmingham uh, played in bands we got on TV in London like, like cable TV or something oh god I was there yeah it was awful that, that it was, was terrible because we in that band we had a backing track and so we had to try and I had to try and drum along to this backing track never and, a good and, idea and if I couldn't hear it from speakers then I, it was terrible and I couldn't hear it and we were on TV and uh, it all got out of sync and uh, it was a disaster I, I had a nightmare um, but so uh, what else I've played in bands here in London I played in that punk band that you used to be in called Salvo and yeah we forgot about Salvo yeah, we yeah, forgot yeah. about that there's just loads and loads of bands like endless projects and stuff Salvo were a really good Another three-piece, kick-ass, uh, guitar-based... Kind of an American punk. ...between <clears throat> uh, Motorhead and uh, Fugazi. Yeah. With a bit of uh, Foo Fighters chucked in just to sort of soften the blow slightly. Yes, yes, I think so. Um, OK, well, I think that kind of covers our journey We've, through music. How long have we done? We've done plenty. We've done 50 minutes. Do you want to sort of... Rambling. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it's a nice little um, laid-back chat about music. Thank you, James, for, for joining me. That's right. I hope that wasn't too boring. Um, I, I sincerely hope it wasn't too boring. Is there any way we can lighten it up at the end, before the end of the recording? Uh, uh, what's your funniest slash worst live music experience or, or best I don't know any just my, my, my worst or best live music experience okay well to be honest I should probably tell you about the cavern I was, uh, playing drums on stage at the cavern in Liverpool which is obviously a famous venue for where the Beatles first sort of became famous in the UK there's it's a legendary iconic place and I played there in the band on a Tuesday evening <laughs> rock and roll and there was no one there nobody was there uh, you, it's not a particularly nice place so when, when I went anyway it, was, it wasn't very nice I remember walking into the place and immediately getting an overwhelming smell of urine from the toilets nearby and in fact between the songs because there was hardly anyone in the building you could actually hear the toilets f uh, while we weren't playing <laughs> so we'd stop playing and then you could hear in the background and it was just miserable and, it, and well, I learned later on that it wasn't even the original cavern the original cavern got destroyed when they made a train tunnel through the area and they rebuilt it in another place so it's not even the original cavern after all so it's completely meaningless after, after all of that so that might be my worst uh, uh, live music experience um, other than that it's just the fact that when I played in that other band in Birmingham when we had a backing track so they would um, our keyboard player would record a whole sequenced backing track for a song which the whole band would then play along to with a bass player keyboards drums and vocals and guitar and they would play over the top of this backing track and I had to follow the backing track very closely but that means you've got two sets of drums yeah it, it, we had bad idea yeah we had samples of drums and then I would play drums over the top and it didn't really work but I had to work really hard to play in time with all the samples because you know the way they change kind of you know, their beats and stuff, and also to just stay in time with it. So we tried it with a click track in my earphones when playing the drums, you know, click, click, click like that, but it wasn't loud enough, so I couldn't hear it. So they decided to put the backing track through my earphones, but that was like, um, I couldn't hear it at all. 
And then, so what we did was got a massive uh, monitor speaker and just sat it next to me. So I'd be playing the drums and the monitor would be right next to me. And then during the gig, that monitor would blast the backing track into my ears from the side. It would just be absolutely blasting it into me so I could play along to it. And then, of course, it'd be the sound of the audience and the sound of the rest of the instruments. And after a while, I would be trying to keep time to what's basically white noise, just... Like that, and you're playing drums to that, you know, just thinking how I've no idea what what I'm playing to. Just kind of your, your ears being damaged. As yeah, well. it's the, it's the sound of your ears being damaged. And after a gig, you. That's why I gave up um, band practices because I was going deaf. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I had loads of problems with my ears, and I just stopped. I was like, I can't be asked with this anymore. Going deaf. There's other ways to make music. Mm. You know, you don't have to sit in a tiny room and go deaf every week. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think on that um, on that note, I think we should maybe stop here and maybe. Uh, oh, I've got a quick story to you've tell. You've got a story to tell. Is this like a worst gig or best no, gig? Just a, a funny one. Okay. Okay, in Poland. Uh, with my friend Dave, who's an uh, ex-Brit, now lives in Poland, and he's a teacher over there, English teacher. Yeah. So we went over there with him, this was a few years ago, before he was so settled down, he used to do a lot of DJing. Mm -hmm. And so we went, I went and visited and took all my records over and we did a few techno clubs. Mm -hmm. So we did one night and then we drove all through the night to get to this other party on the other side of Poland. And on the way we were driving and this along this sort of woodland area and this massive thing ran out in front of us. Like an animal. And we hit the brakes, yeah, a big animal. I thought it was a deer. And then my friend's going, it's a pig, it's a pig. And it was a massive wild boar, like ran out of the forest. Like a wild the pig. Car, a wild pig ran in front of the car. So that was on the way there. On the way there, we were like, blah, 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 what's the venue called? You know, it's like, we're going to play at like three in the morning or something, this big rave. Mm. He goes, oh, it's called the Slaughterhouse. <laughs> Is when we were playing techno music, so we were oh, playing the techno slaughterhouse, great. So we got there, it was literally a slaughterhouse. There was... <laughs> there <laughs> well, wait, wait, what is a slaughter... Wait, what's, what's, an a, what's an abattoir? An abattoir, where they kill animals for, fact, you know, for, for food. So they kill, an, they kill lots of so, animals you know, at the same like time. tiled, massive tiled room with, like, ceiling with hooks hanging off it and stuff. And, like, this huge, great room and a big DJ booth set up at the top. <laughs> And just dry smoke, so much smoke you couldn't see anything. We played, yeah, we played like, I think I played an hour of techno and an hour of drum and bass. Wow. And no, maybe half an hour of it, I can't remember. But um, it was pretty full on. Okay. Wow. And you couldn't really see anything. Um, but hello, is that a good enough story? Yeah, it's the, time, it's the time that you. I'm sure, it's, I'm it's sure I normally tell that story a bit better than no, that. No, it was the time that you DJed in a slaughterhouse, I think, it's <laughs> in Poland. I think that's a brilliant end to the story. Don't you, listeners? I'm sure you do. Sorry. How many of you have, have gone to Poland and uh, nearly hit a wild pig in your car before <laughs> DJing in a smoke-filled slaughterhouse uh, somewhere in deepest, darkest Poland? I don't think any of you... I'd be surprised if any of the listeners have done that, James, to be honest. OK, well... I'm very proud. And how many of you, right, since, um, since I'm now onto this subject, how many of you have played drums uh, on the stage at the fake Cavern Club in a, in a urine-stinking Liverpool? <laughs> Stop bigging yourself up.
Yeah, okay. Well, thanks very much uh, for listening. Uh, please do check out the website where you may find various bits of information. Also, of course, you can see uh, lots a selection of my videos there, and uh, you can tweet about me there. You can find me on Facebook uh, and all those things. James has got something else to say. We were just talking about earlier. Do you think Luke should... Um get a more of a blog type thing have you got like a blog i've got a blog yeah but do you think you should have do you have subscriptions where you email people when you do a new update well yeah it's possible to sort of uh Subscribe. follow follow the podcast but i don't get many followers um in in a month i get do something you have an e email list yeah. to send emails out to um an email list well it's basically my rss feed oh god um, I don't even understand this stuff it's, anymore. It's my podcast page. If I want to send a message to everybody, I just post it on the on the podcast, and then I can Facebook it and all that sort of thing. Uh, but eventually, the plan is to put everything together because at the moment I've got two sites. I've got Luke's English Podcast and Luke's English Blog. Right. And Luke's English Blog is a kind of way to try and present um, myself and the range of different things that I'm doing, including the podcast. Uh, and uh, various other little bits and pieces. There's a profile of me. Uh, yeah, what's the other one? What's the difference? The other one. The other one is Luke's. The, audio. the other one is Luke's English podcast, and that's really just a, a place for me to host the audio episodes of this. Uh, and it's arranged in a way to make it hopefully quite accessible. You've got videos. <laughs> oh, no, right. no, I'm just trying to explain. I'm just trying to explain what like the websites are because it might be a bit. I don't know, difficult to understand where I'm going with it. Maybe you should just have one. Well, in the end, eventually I want to have one which will involve more things like m becoming a member and uh, getting access to all sorts of different things. I've got loads of... Free, free key rings. Free, where, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that. What would you think, listeners? Mugs. Mugs. No, yeah. I'm just saying... Mugs. Mugs. What do you think, listeners, are about the opportunity to buy... Um, sort of branded merchandise of, <laughs> no. of Luke's English Podcast. Would you like to drink your tea or coffee out of a Luke's English Podcast cup? Uh, I think that you would. Would you maybe like to write some notes, uh, vocabulary notes, onto a Luke's English Podcast specially designed pad uh, using a Luke's English Podcast branded pen? No, hell no. No, probably no not. No way. When you smoke, would you like to tap ash into a Luke's English Podcast ashtray? That I might buy. You can't get good, good ashtrays these days. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll start doing Luke's English Podcast <laughs> ashtrays. Just, just ashtrays. You know? That's horrible. Just focus on the ashtrays. Luke's English podcast for the smooth yeah. for the smooth smoking Ling English it. learner. Got it. Energy drinks. Luke's English, Luke's English podcast energy drink. Helps you learn English really, really quickly. Yeah. And then you can't get to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Just <Yeah. laughs> once the heart palpitations are finished, you'll learn really good English. You, you get the sort of English anxiety though afterwards. English anxiety podcast. <laughs> That's a good idea. English Anxiety Podcast. I'm here in English Anxiety Podcast, and I'm feeling very anxious. Um, I'm, I'm in a car park, um, and it's, it's getting a bit tricky. I'm, I'm, I can't find my car. I'm not sure if it may have been stolen or if I just don't remember where I parked. No, there it is. There it is over there. It's okay. Um, now I'm, I'm just fumbling in my pockets. I'm a bit worried. Okay, yeah, that would be English Anxiety Podcast. 
I think I, I might, I might, might do one of them. That. Yeah, the English Anxiety Podcast. Okay, well, maybe you can find that in the future, listeners. Uh, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to email your thoughts, leave your comments on the page, add me on Facebook, um, you know, add, offer a little donation here and there, that, you know, it kind of helps me to pay the website fees for all this hosting. And the pizza. And the pizza as well, it helps to pay for the pizza too. Uh, thanks again for listening. Bye, James. Bye. Hope that wasn't rubbish. Let's just hope and pray that that wasn't rubbish and that somehow we can drag some level of dignity out of the burning ashes uh, of this episode. Like a phoenix from the flames, uh, we rise into uh, the weekend. I think it's probably an appropriate way to end this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Don't forget to visit teacherluke.podomatic.com for more information. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.